Hey everybody, welcome back and welcome new listeners. It is now season three of Simply Soccer. I am your host, Michelle Hutink, and of course, my one and only co-host, Christian Conway. Much like a grizzly bear, we have emerged from hibernation and are ready to roll. Yes, and super excited, actually. I mean, as far as the Galaxy roster goes, it doesn't look all that exciting, but it's nice that the CBA got cleared and we're going to have soccer. And, of course, not to be neglected, as always, women's soccer, the She Believes Cup is happening today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 4 o'clock this afternoon, the United States versus Canada, the... Uh... The, the the rivalry continues. I'm, I'm just, you know, honestly, in a year that um, you know, I'm just happy this is happening, you know, and especially I, I remember the the January games against uh, Columbia, where it was said that, you know, Columbia hadn't played, the Columbia women's national team hadn't played a game in a year simply because they, you know, lack of funding, couldn't find opponents in a, in a, in a very difficult year. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that we have this outlet, you know, getting international soccer done is an incredibly difficult task nowadays considering you know different countries you know approaches to the pandemic so i'm, I'm, I'm just happy you know we're at four o'clock tonight we'll have a u.s women's national team game to watch like that makes me incredibly happy yes and if people are very super excited to watch any soccer that isn't um the champions league uh we have uh argentina and Brazil at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, I was saying to Christian before I hit record how excited I was because I thought Argentina was going to be a contender and give the U.S. women's national team a game and come to find, due to COVID protocols, they lost how many players? Uh, so they lost four players due to, um, as what the U.S. Uh, the U.S. soccer Twitter account said U.S. soccer protocol regarding um, COVID. So, you know, I don't know what that means. Uh, it, it, that's a very kind of legalese speak way to put it. Could have just been, you know, maybe a false positive test or something like that, or actual, you know, there could actually be concerned. But schedule the, the game is going ahead. I think, you know, this uh, this is a weird game for for Argentina. Again, a, a young program that kind of has finally committed to, you know, to, to, to committed into giving, you know, the resources required to be successful. Um, and then you talk about a Brazilian women's national team that is, you know, kind of in this weird age gap where, you know, you know, players that are, you know, 21, 19, mm-hmm. and, you know, younger, you know, they even have, a, they have a 17 year old in the roster, Giovanna, who's playing at Barcelona. But then they also have like Formiga, who, you know, at 40, age 42 with five World Cups under her belt is still such a critical part of this team. So, you know, it's a it's a weird dance that they have to, to deal with, you know, where it's like kind of, you know, there isn't a lot of age difference. It's either, you know, they're all on the other side of 30 or they're all on the wrong side of 23. Um, so, you know, I, I think this is, a, this, this is a difficult roster for PSU and Haga to, to maneuver. But if, you know, anyone's going to be able to do it, I think we as U.S. fans will agree PSU and Haga is the one to do it. And, you know, you have, again, an ageless player in Marta who's still mm-hmm. probably who exactly prob- I was thinking of probably in the top five um you know current still in the world right now um definitely one of the top five all-time greatest players um won the ballon d'or something like six years in a row when she was in europe um you know but this is a brazil team that i do think also um having gone back and and kind of you know in in this period of, of of soccer starvation having watched that that 2011 quarterfinal against the united states in in germany you know i think that that match you know really 
mentally affected this program in a way that they haven't really been able to recover from because they've always been, you know, you look at the 2019 World Cup, a disappointing finish against Brazil, they take, or uh, excuse me, against France, they take them to extra time, probably should have won the game. Um, but, you know, these are like, they bring in Pia Sunhaga to kind of change the mentality, which is what, you know, Keep in mind, that's exactly what Pia Sundhaga did with the United States women's national team. She comes in after 2007, you know, after, after you know, kind of rather humiliation at the World Cup in 2007. And, um, you know, the players on that team say about, you know, like she, the, their first training session, Pia Sundhaga is out there with the guitar singing ABBA in Swedish. And they kind of were like, what the heck's going on here? Like, you know, the United States women's national team had been all about intensity. And Pia Sundhaga reminded them, oh, yeah, you guys are really good players. Just go out and have fun. And, it, and, you know, I, uh, Abby Wambach and, and Rapino and, and a lot of them have come out and said, yeah, we kind of lost ourselves. And maybe that's exactly what this Brazilian national team needs. It's just someone who's, you know, a little bit goofy and a little bit fun, but also, you know, can convince them to have fun. And um, I, I, so I think this is going to be, you know, this is kind of Pia's first big, uh, this is the first preview we get into the, the, the Pia project in Brazil. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm very interested to see it. I mean, also, you know, they're probably one of the best strikers in the world in Davinia, which really helps uh, because if you can score your way out of a problem, that's, you know, that was the Galaxy ethos for two in the, in the past. I know. <laughs> um, we saw it work to varying degrees of effect. But um, I, I think this is going to be an interesting Brazilian team to watch. Yeah, I mean, and in, and for the U.S. women's national team, you know, Canada's unable to beat the U.S. And, you know, even with Sinclair not part of the roster, and you know the Olympics looming. I I think the U.S. women national team are they're geared to go. They're yeah. they're excited. You know they're like let's show our stuff. And and we were saying like they need this boost. Yeah, and this is an interesting Canada team because Canada, um, Canada like Brazil has that. And 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 this is kind of what happened to the U.S. men's national team in 2018 during that qualifying cycle where we had like a lot of players that were clearly on the way out and a lot of players that were just a little too young. To, to get it. Canada's in the same position. There's two ways you can do that is you can kind of slowly but surely embed like one or two young players into the squad and hope that the, the, the older players will kind of, you know, take them under their wing and, and, and be mentors to them. Or you can basically just completely wipe the slate and go as young as possible and say, you know, they'll learn through, you know, trial by error. And that's kind of what Canada's doing. I mean, this is a young roster. There's a lot of 20 year olds, a lot of 18 year olds, um, you know, a lot of unknown quantities, um, there's still some, some I guess, I don't know if Staples is the right word, but, you know, Zdorsky and, and Desiree Scott and, and uh, Stephanie LeBan goal, um, Sophie Schmidt and, and another great player, uh, Jesse Fleming, even though, you know, <laughs> Jesse Fleming, one of, the, one of the more experienced players at 77 caps, but only 22. Um, so uh, this is going to be an interesting test for the United States. I don't think, you know, and, and keep in mind, Canada and the United States have rivalry. They, they, there is a history there. Um, the 2012 Olympics game did not go down well with Canada. Um, so there is always a sense that, you know, in addition to, you know, we're playing the best team in the, na- or in, in the world, there's always also that added sense of, you know, of, of continental rivalry. It's, you know, it, it, it does <laughs> yeah. foster that. Um, you know, this is a U.S. women's national team that, you know, I think the 23 selects itself. Um, but I think there's a lot of, inner squad competition right now um, because, you know, it's 23 here, but it's only 18 that go to Tokyo. Um, and, and again, there, there's a bit of an asterisk around that, that Tokyo thing with some of the news that it has been floating around. Um, but, you know, there are players that are, are playing for a seat on that, on that flight to Tokyo. And, 
you know, there's going to be some very difficult decisions. And I think, you know, almost, I, I, I think Vlatko's, you know, he wouldn't say it aloud, but I think behind closed doors, he's kind of quietly praying, like, please make it obvious for me because this will be difficult. I mean, I think there's, there's, there's some players that, that could really raise their stock in this. You know, I think the big one for me is Katarina Macario. I mean, she's, uh, I mean, her, her debut against Colombia in both those games, she was brilliant. She scored a goal in the second game. Um, she's started very well with Lyon. She's already scored her first goal at arguably the best women's club in the world. Um, you know, th- th- there is competition at goalkeeper. I don't think Alyssa Nair is as secure in goal as everyone says she is. Um, you know, and they've got Jane Campbell, who I think is the is the natural successor to to the goalkeeper position. Um, you know, can Tierney Davidson kind of finally make the the move that we've always thought she could make into being a reliable starter for the U.S. Women's National Team? You know, what? You know, and then, and then we, you talk about the striker core. I mean, Carla Lloyd at 38, does she get on that plane? You know, do you, know, do you carry a 38-year-old when you don't have a lot of options? You know, Carly's a great player and her service to the United States is, is, is undeniable. But, you know, th- that's that's a question. And, you know, Alex Morgan, where is she after after uh, maternity leave? You know, how is she well, playing? Well, she had contact, contracted COVID as well. So she's coming back too. Yeah, and and, you know, how you know like where is she physically and mentally um you know Megan Rapino at 35 you know does she have one last burst in the tank um I think Sophia Smith here could really you know disrupt the apple cart you know at 20 years old precocious fantastic talent for the Portland Thorns um and it's really disheartening to see someone born in the year 2000 <laughs> and makes me feel old as hell um <laughs> but uh yeah I mean she's definitely but- even as you were saying the ages and uh, you know i was thinking like but how amazing i mean what other sport really i mean we know a few men in mls who've played past 40 but other than that i mean it's pretty amazing how many women are still going after 30 and like they're still in top game shape it it speaks to a testament of what the u.s women's national team program is and how consummate it is you know i think that's that's definitely a testament to just how uh, the competitive fire that exists in these players um and I think that 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 can only be a good thing, um, but you know I think this is this is definitely going to be an interesting test for who is going to be on that plane to you know Tokyo come August if you know that that happens. And I mean we're also not talking about players like you know Kealia Watt and and, and Ashley Hatch. You know Tobin Heath's out injured or I, I, she's either injured or Manchester United refused to release her. Um, since it's not an official FIFA tournament then you know clubs aren't obliged to to release their players um, i mean ashley sanchez is another young player that i think you know that that's a discussion you know so uh, you know there there are players you know andy sullivan as well for me and and, and you know um with sam us not being here again the manchester united thing um there's a lot of there's a lot of questions that you know aren't easy questions that you know vladko is going to have to answer and so i think he's kind of hoping that she believes um, it helps answer some of those questions. Um, I, I don't feel super, you know, like I feel like because, you know, like the, the way they play against Colombia, they looked so efficient and so just, I mean, like killers in the midfield. And I mean, they were just all over Colombia. And yes, Colombia hadn't played a competitive match in a year. And you know, that's an important caveat in that conversation. But I mean, they're all playing so well. You know, I, I struggle to think of a time in the U.S. Women's National Team program that, at least as long as I've followed it, where I've literally said, you know, everyone is playing so well that people are going to have their hearts broken not going to Tokyo because they're playing some of the best soccer of their lives. And that's, 
you know, from, from, from our perspective, that's a very good thing for us because, you know, it brings us joy to watch from a coaching perspective. When you have to shave down a roster from 23 to 18, that's the worst problem you could have, you know, like it, it's stressful. Absolutely. And as far as predictions go on a show where we don't do predictions, um, <laughs> I still we, think it's we always, safe to say. We always say we don't do predictions and then end up doing predictions, <laughs> which I think is yeah. the biggest running joke on this podcast. I agreed. But, you know, you have other counterparts who, who have uh, their podcast games. But real talk, like, it is... Um, I'm blanking out right now for some reason because <laughs> we were talking about predictions and and then my brain went into to game mode. Um, yeah, so I don't think you need to be a gambler to know that the U.S. Women National Team are the top dog. It's who's going to give them a run in this um, in this tournament. I mean, if I, if I had to pick a team, if, you know, if, if I thought it was Argentina, and then you mentioned the players being taken out. It, so. if, if, it, if everything goes disastrously bad for the United States tonight and against Brazil, then my pick to, you know, if I had to pick someone outside of the U.S. Women's National Team, I'd pick Brazil just simply because yeah. any team that's got Marta on it, I think, is is just a better team than outside of, like, if, you know, the U.S. aside, any team that has Marta on it is probably the best team on that field at that given time. Like, I, I just, just, she's proven it time and time again. Mm. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm interested to see what this Argentina team pulls out i think that you know they were oddly very precocious and, and daring in the world cup in, in 2019 and I, I, i'd like to see them continue in that vein um but yeah i think this is you know um and they call it the she believes cup but i think it's uh you know more like the uh, the u.s women's national team victory tour round two um considering <laughs> just, well just considering where all three of these programs are uh, that they that they will play um i i just think this is this is a lock for the u.s women's national team considering how efficient you know, th- that's the thing is w- with Vlatko's teams, um, and especially this, this U.S. Women's National Team, um, they're just, you know, and, and it's, it's kind of my common thought about soccer in today's context uh, in terms of just the way that the game is going tactically. I think ruthless efficiency is, is, is what you need in order to be successful. And Vlatko's, women, or Vlatko's Women's National Team is so ruthlessly efficient that it's just, it's hard to see, I, you know, Canada, Brazil, or Argentina getting a foothold against them. Yeah, real nod to the coach there. I I really like that um, because, you know, you, you have Jill who was so prominent and to be able to say, like, yeah, this is Vlaco's team and to see what they're going to do with it. I mean, I this this is what makes soccer exciting. And, you know, it could be a one-sided match, right, where the U.S. women are dominating. But, but again, it's super important for the U.S. to be able to to get this boost and, and, and launch them further. Um, there are still young women developing on, on this team. And, you know, this is, this is the way that you're, like you said, like the, the roster is going to get sorted out Yeah, as, I mean, we, as we move forward. Yeah. You, you play the match in front of you is that it, it's kind of the only way I can put it, you know, that mm-hmm. you play the match in front of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and the U S women will face, uh, Brazil after the, uh, I think it's, I had it right here. Um, they play Canada tonight, Brazil on like, uh, I just closed the tab. Um, yeah, I know. But, I just had it. Uh, Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. Sunday. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Brazil on Sunday, you know, Canada tonight. And then uh, I think they played Argentina on like a Wednesday night. Um, yes, so, on February I mean, 24th. Yes. It did. It, it, I, I would watch this these games because 
you know, the US women, to get a sense of just how shiningly good Vladko's women's national team has been. And, um, you know, I, I think this is just going to be continued dominance for them. You know, and as uh, Angel City FC starts to get bigger and bigger and, and, you know, L.A. in general has always been the pioneer when it comes to soccer. So, you know, when you when you look at women's national league and, and women's soccer, especially in the United States, this is a great introduction. This is, you know, get your get your kids to watch, get your kids to play when it's safe. Um and you know anybody who hasn't really followed women's soccer like this this is the time now this is the chance this is this is where we're headed so i think it is really exciting you know even though the acfc went with uh, doordash as their sponsor <laughs> i mean it's it what's funny is that you know i, I think I, I just briefly and, and you know hopefully not gonna create too much controversy and probably created a ton of controversy i do think it's funny that you know i think a lot of there, there was an expectation that angel city fc was going to be different in terms of like you know, they were going to do things at a different moral standard. And then, you know, DoorDash, which has had its its ethical problems, um, is brought in. And, and I, you know, I kind of want to remind everyone, hey, guys, at the end of the day, it's a business, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> they're not yeah. here to make necessarily make friends. They're here to make money. Um, so but, you know, it, it, it's it's a good sign that, you know, they've, they've got a, a shirt sponsor of, of, of that kind of, you know, I, I will say in terms of national prominence, you know, that's a that's a big deal. Um, and you know, it's it's really cool to see. But I think what's so cool about this process, and especially with Angel City FC kind of forming in front of our eyes, which I think is a, you know, is kind of a cool experience to watch a club just get you know created in front of your eyes. Um, what that you're not immediately you know diametrically opposed to. You know, I, I think if I had mm-hmm. lived out, if I had, if I was not a Galaxy supporter, I think you know watching LA like watching a club you know go through these first hires and stuff like that would be a very you know fun and interesting process. Um, but obviously, as a as a Galaxy fan, that was that, my emotions around that were very different, and also you know the history of of what led to LAFC. Um, yeah, but uh, you know it's it's really kind of cool to see, you know, from an outsider perspective, all these decisions being made and all these 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 things happening. You know, I'm like I'm I'm so excited to see you know who they name as their first head coach. You know, I'm so excited to see who they name as their first GM, and some of the names I've been seeing floating around are like really exciting names. Um, so yeah, it is cool, um, and it, but it's also cool to see the blossoming of the league, like NWSL, in front of our eyes. You know, that's I think the coolest part for me is just watching this league go from strength to strength. I mean, they were their first league back to uh, to, to return to play in, in in June of last year. Um, you know, the first major professional sports league back. Uh, you know, they, their viewership last year went up something like. At least a Baird uh, just tweeted out the numbers, but it was something like you know six hundred percent or something like that. You know, so. Yeah, it's it's exciting, and you know all, all you know all you can hope for is that the growth continues. And to segue into our talk of the LA Galaxy, just like uh, ACFC and the She Believes Cup and LA Galaxy, they all have in common. I'm going to wait till the players are on the pitch to be able to really know exactly how to feel um, about everything that's happening like you said like with the growth with the development with um the potential with the the troubles (laughs) you know um looking at 
Daily Galaxy roster and kind of just waiting for news. That's what it feels like. We're all, you know, March 8th is kind of like this preseason. April 17th is the home opener, you know, with COVID and CBA. It's like, what is this going to happen? And U.S. Open is going to have eight teams. We don't even know what eight teams are going to be on there. It's it's really, really um, hard for me to be hopeful um, I'm always looking forward to soccer, of course. Uh, I'm always looking forward to see LA Galaxy. That we have uh, Greg Vanny now is is definitely uplifting. Um, I just feel like the roster is bare. It, and it, it, it kind of decently is. I, I do think part of that is due to the fact that, you know, teams are cautious in a way that they've never been before. I mean, especially in MLS with, with the looming CBA negotiations. Um, I think teams, you know... It's all well and good while you're at the roulette table and you've got the hot hands, but when you know when when that stops, you you don't want to be the last person at the table. You know what I mean? Like you don't want to be the person that goes for broke when everyone around you is being conservative and and you're the last person at the table. Um, I, I think you you mentioned an interesting interesting word in that, which was potential. And I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, looking down the roster, you know, at least you know seven homegrowns. Um, that that's potential. Um, you know, and I, it, it, bringing in Vanny, who, you know, ostentatiously, quote unquote, gets it about what it means to be a Galaxy player. And, and, and now you have all these young kids who, you know, have been through the Galaxy system since they, you know, were, were, were little. You know, they probably, you know, I, again, I, I, I'm not on the field with those discussions when it comes to coaching and stuff. But I'm, I'm assuming that probably, you know, some of them were coached by Marcel Savras, who was part of those 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 great um, Bruce Arena teams. And you know, I think they've they've been told what it means. You know, what what putting on that jersey means, and so you know that's that's a good thing. Um, you know, I I think you know there there is it's this is going to be a young team. I think there's no question about that. You know, you you look at the average ages. I mean, you know, I think the only the only players that I, I would consider quote unquote old are you know Sasha Kledgeden, but he said he wants to play you know until he's forty. Um, you know, Sebastian Legette is getting up there a little bit, but not, you know, he's not super old. I think he's like 29. Um, you know, Giancarlo Gonzalez, but I'm, I'm pretty confident he's in his last year or two of playing professional soccer based off what we've seen. Um, you know, Chicharito's like 32. Like, you know, like, this isn't, mm. this is going to be a young team. And I, and I, and I caught, you know, it, looking at everything and looking at the moves they've made and the way they're moving this roster, I think my, and again, this roster is far from complete. You know, we're both aware of that. And I think everyone mm-hmm. is aware of that. This roster is very, you know, not there yet. And that's okay. You know, like, I'm okay with that. Um, I think the one thing I would say to fans, if I had to pick one word to describe the roster as presently constructed, is caution. Because I'm really excited at the amount of young players they have and, and the young players they have signed and they've brought in. And, you know, Jonathan Bond um, did a, a a Zoom call while he was in quarantine with with uh, with Angel City Brigade that I was I was a part of, and um, he was you know he he said this quote which was like I wanted to come to MLS but I didn't want to come to any other MLS team I wanted to come to the MLS team, and you know that's a good mentality and you know maybe he you know that was a canned line that he kept for you know all the supporters and you know he wants to say the right things I get it, but you know there did seem to be a sense of conviction behind that that you know he gets it. Um, but again, it's a young team. They're going to make mistakes. Like we've watched a lot of young players on this team make a lot of mistakes because they're young players. It happens. It's, you know, 
you made mistakes in your 20s. I made mistakes in my 20s, you know, like my early 20s. Yeah. Yes, I mean, in case anybody didn't know that, but uh. (laughs) it happens. We have to be patient with this. Patience and caution is where I'm going right now. However, Mm -hmm. from what I saw from a couple of these kids, like Carlos Harvey and uh, you know, and and Dunbar and 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 Nick Dupuy, or not Nick Dupuy, Julian Araujo, and 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 moments from Efren Alvarez. this could be really good guys. Like, you know, give it a year or two. Um, And one other thing I will note about Vanny is that, you know, Vanny is kind of oddly the perfect coach for this because you look at his Toronto teams, he really did rely on, on an emergent Toronto Academy to get him over the line in his first couple of years. I mean, you know, Tucson Ricketts and, and, um, um, oh my God, I just had his name down in my head and I can't remember. Um, But he, he did bring in um, a lot of young players and and kind of mentored them through to, to being successful, and it, it took them a little bit of time, but it, it got done. Um, Eric Zavaleta, one of the uh, the player that I, I, I forgot, you know, um, the Canadian. I kind of joke around that the Canadian national team owes owes Greg Vanny a, a great bit of debt because you know Toronto was churning out Canadian prospects left and right, um, and Greg Vanny was taking them to the next level. So there's a lot of possibility on this roster, but again, caution is probably the word I'd use right now. Yeah, uh, that that we have. A head coach is, and one that we can trust, I think, um, and that he has his, um, I'm forgetting the word right now, but he has his team, <laughs> his uh, his coaching staff there. That's what I was looking for. Um, he has his coaching staff, and that that's the best that we can hope for right now. Um, somebody who will know how to work with the pieces um, that he has and, and shake off the, um, ghosts of poor seasons past. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at, at the roster, you know, uh, Bingham is no longer with us. And so that means, you know, you've got Klinsman who we were able to see in action. Perhaps it was unfair, um, in the way that, you know, he was introduced um, under such circumstances, but, and in a lot of ways, wasn't really given a chance. And then you have Bond, who who looks good, has international experience, and, but, you know, the argument comes like, well, can these guys, as bad as Bingham was, but can can they hold up? Can you see, can you see Bond being the number one keeper? Yes. I mean, just yes. <laughs> um, just yes. Okay. Yeah. No, they, they brought in Jonathan Bond for him to be number one, and, and you know, barring some crazy, you know, you're in, you're, uh, you're in God, I'm so scarred from that last name. I um, know. We all, we all are. Yeah. <laughs> barring, barring <laughs> Jonathan entering like super Saiyan mode, um, I, I really do think they brought in Jonathan Bond as the number one. Um, <clears throat> now that being said, they've they've gone out and spent for a keeper before, and it's not worked out. So, um. You know, as recently as David Bingham. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, again, cautious optimism, but I, they brought in Bond to be the number one, I think. And, and from all senses I get, that's that's the case. Well, like I said, I'll, I'll know more once once we see everybody on the pitch. I mean, even preseason, for some people, doesn't mean a lot. To me, it does for the Galaxy because they have a whole culture to reset now. And... Like okay, you have Carlos Harvey back. He he's our international one of the international spots, and then you got O'Neill Fisher, who comes from 
the Sounders and then DC United. Um, and he's he's an outside back, so you know he doesn't have to be a big dude. Um, but I do say like the Galaxy are. It, it feels to me like we're missing like an Alan Gordon type in the back. <laughs> I think you know uh, with with these defenders. Um, but but everybody deserves a fair chance. Um, even Chicharito looks like he's taking this seriously and like really getting into it. Um, definitely with the working out routine. <laughs> so, I mean, this is, this is who we have to work around. This is who we have to work with. And Pavon, is he worth $20 million? He would have to do major scoring. Like you said, like scoring that, that will make up for everything else. Um, you know, as far as his legal troubles go, that that is obviously a concern. Um, it's it's hard right now. Um, uh, oh, Viafania being here is is actually, I think I think that's also very promising. Yeah, it's funny. You know, the Galaxy, you know, for the past you know three years, were kind of weak at outside back, and then they went out and bought every available outside back on the free agent market that they could get their hands <laughs> on. Um, <clears throat> You know, O'Neill Fisher, you know, I, I don't think he comes in as a starter. I think, you know, he's a guy that, you know, mm-hmm. the other good, the other thing about Vanny's teams in Toronto that really struck me and, and kind of why I'm really stoked he's here is because Greg Vanny's teams would carry like a lot of these veterans or not like veterans, but like good players that like you would, you kind of wonder like, why aren't they starting? But, you know, they were depth signings, you know, and, and O'Neill Fisher feels like that to me. I, you know, he, he <clears throat> excuse me, allergy season. Um, he, Won a World Cup or won a World Cup? Jeez, my brain's a little fried today. Um, he won a, an MLS Cup in Seattle. Actually, you know what? MLS Cup is my World Cup. Darn it! Um, it is. It is. You, you know what? <laughs> yes. Now that you said that, okay. So here's the thing about Vanny O'Neill Fisher, um, Viafania. Like these are guys that know MLS, and that. I can't emphasize enough for people who are not familiar with MLS to understand how it's a league of its own. <laughs> really, it's a you know you know MLS is constantly being compared to much older leagues, and this this is um, something to me that that feels I, I have to find another synonym besides promising. But um, but it's good that they're familiar with this because they know how the system works. They know. Um, they know how to, how to work around this crazy schedule. <laughs> well, I, also, I also think you make a good point about, uh, like, you know, they almost mean Alan Gordon type for the back. I think that's a really good way of looking at it because, you know, I almost think they've got that in Viafania and O'Neill Fisher, which are guys that just know the league that, you know, he, he, you know, O'Neill Fisher's made over a hundred appearances in MLS, you know, competition, you know, Viafania was a critical and core part of those, you know, those Portland, those great Portland teams, you know, these guys get it and they know it and they're familiar with it and they, you know, I don't know if necessarily anyone particularly loves, you know, the travel and whatever have you of MLS, but they've lived it. And, um, you know, that's, you know, they had Sasha Kleshton last year, but now they're adding to that core of just guys that get it. And, um, you know, I, I think that's, that can only be a good thing. And, and you know, we're also watching guys like Daniel Starez and, and, and Nick Dupuy kind of become those guys as well, like kind of, you know, a little bit more educated. You know, I, I think if anything, you know, when it comes to the, the MLS experience, um, you know, I think maybe when they brought in Shiloto, you know, that they, they did kind of overlook the fact that MLS is a very unique league. It's a very weird league, you know, and, and it's, it, it, it's, you know, a league of their own to quote the movie. Um, 
I know, I know. I tried to. <laughs> I was like, ah, the movie reference right now. But we were getting, we were getting close there. Um, but yeah, I just, I think you know, that can only be a good thing. You know, just adding that kind of experience and, and that depth. And you know, I don't necessarily expect um, O'Neill Fisher to be a starting defender on this team. I think you know, Viafania probably has the better chance to be a starter on this team. Um, but again, you know that you know you combine that synergy with, you know, Julian Araujo and, 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 you know, I, I, um, I, I think it, it, it works. And, um, you know, I, I'm excited to see that. And, um, you know, there's, I know, I know the, the mood in the room for galaxy fans is really dour right now. I mean, it's been a rough, you know, what, four seasons, but you know, there, there are parts of this that I'm, I'm kind of digging, like, you know, there's a lot of homegrown players, which, you know, I've always said, well, you know, uh, looking across kind of the, the landscape of MLS, FC Dallas, for example, you know, who like can field starting 11s that are all homegrown players. Like I've always said, you know, if the academy is as good as we've been told it is, then we should be able to do that. And, you know, now we're kind of getting closer to doing that. And that's a really good thing. And, you know, we've got a, a bona fide talent in, in Julian Araujo that, you know, enjoy him while he can. Um, you mm, know, that's remember. exactly what I was thinking. I mean, it was rumored that Tottenham was, was around him in, in January. I, I have a feeling summer's probably going to be a move. Um, but, you know, we, we get what we can out of him. Um, you know, there's, you know, I, I, I harp on this concept of balance often, um, that I think, you know, the best teams are very balanced teams. And it does feel like the Galaxy have always been tilted a little bit forward um, in terms of balance that, you know, as we've talked on this pod over the, over the past three seasons, you know, we've talked about how good the attacking lines have been for the Galaxy. And when we do our end-of-season reviews, we always talk about, oh, man, the forward line killed it. And then we do our defense episode, and we're like, oh, boy, I don't know about that. Um, I think it's a little bit, I think, I think that scale is tilted a little bit more even. I don't think it's fully even, but I think we're getting, we're getting a little closer and that's, that's a good thing. Um, it's going to rely on Chicharito to, you know, be the player we thought we bought. But again, you know, as you said, the workout routines, by the way, he wears some really short shorts in those workout routines. Um, oh my, um, <laughs> salacious, you know, if you, if you got gains, show them off, right? I guess, uh, but he, he also that that uh, that that article he did with with Baxter um, in the LA Times was was really interesting because, you know, I don't think I've ever seen a player be so honest and open about struggling. And, you know, the, the last player I can think that was really that honest and open was when Landon left for Cambodia that one season. And he said, you know, look, I, I just can't take it anymore. I need to get away from this. And, you know. It, it kind of had that shade of me that Chicharito basically said, you know, I've, I've been at the lowest I've been five or 10 years of my life. Like you don't go to a major newspaper and say that because you want to be, you know, you, you, you don't go to a major newspaper and say that because, you know, you're doing damage control. You say that because you mean it, you know? And so I, I, I'm, I'm hoping that Vinny is the, the little pee whisperer and we get something out of him this year. Um, but I, I just think it's, a, everything looks a little bit more balanced than it did in, in years, in years prior. Well, that is very optimistic, uh, cautiously optimistic, but that is actually, that's that's great to, to give us because I was seriously looking at this like, bare, yeah, there's no meat on these bones and I'm hungry. Like, <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, the other guys that have been signed, um, I, you know, I don't really know much about them. Um, it's it's kind of cool to see, like you were saying about the program, like uh, G2s getting signed to the, to the main team. Um, and, and younger guys at that. So I, I think, I think like you're saying it, it should be uh, pretty balanced out. Uh, I can't wait 
actually to see what they look like on the pitch, not just so we can properly assess and critique what's going on, but but hopefully us fans can can feel like we're getting somewhere. Yeah, and 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 remember, I, I did lead off this segment using the word caution, and I think that's an important word to use around this roster right now is caution. It, it it's most definitely not completed. It's there are some questions. I, you know, there's the Pavone question, and of course, there's that's a that's turned into a very uh, delicate situation, as well. Say, mm-hmm. um, um, you know, so it, caution is the word I'd use, but I think you know, I I'm just stoked to see you know, a lot of these kids being signed to, to, to full-time deals. And, you know, I, you know, I almost just want, you know, Vinny to go out there and feel the starting 11 of kids and just basically tell them, go have fun, you know, like just go out there and play. Um, but obviously that, that would not work um, for a multitude of reasons. Um, but, you know, I'm excited to see what, you know, Cameron Dunbar can do in a season where he's actually going to have a head coach that trusts him, you know, like I'm excited to see what Kai Karenia can bring because I, I I was actually you know kind of rather intrigued by some of the some of the contributions he made last year you know I'm excited to see what you know Efren Alvarez can he recover from you know like a rough season and a half you know can he you know the, the, is the player that showed us kind of some moments of brilliance you know that player all the time you know I, there's there's things where I'm like I'm kind of excited about this you know like I I am and I tend to be a little bit more optimistic as a Galaxy fan than I think most Galaxy fans are um, um that's just the way that I look at the world, but um, I, I think caution, no, one of us has to be. Oh yeah, in this show. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think caution is probably the 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 byword of this season. The other word I'd use is patience, um, and and I think that's those are patience my two kind always of always a virtue. <laughs> my my two kind of big, I guess, bullet point words that I'd use as at the roster currently constituted. Yeah, so I mean, already, I'm sure if people know. Vanny's style, you can kind of guess already what what it's going to look like, at least from the back. Um, obviously, we know Chicharito's in the front there, but um, you know, you can have Villafania on the left, you can have Acosta backing him up with Traore uh, and Araujo on the right, and Fisher backing him up. Um, you know, it's there's so many possibilities uh, now. Um, as far as the crowded midfield, <laughs> or there, now it looks like a crowd of defenders. Um, it, it would be nice to have depth. Well, they also they also need to bring in an, a, a a showstopper attacking midfielder. I think that's that's just it. Looking at you know, I, I love Sebastian Lejet, but I don't think he's that. I don't think he's a number ten. I think he's a number eight, maybe. Yeah, he has um, sparks and flashes of of moments, but it's not enough. You know, I've always said you know like how uh, you know the equipment managers will like lay out players clothing in the locker room. All we got to do is just put a U.S. men's national team Jersey under his galaxy Jersey. He's going to be fine. The minute he throws on <laughs> that U.S. Jersey, he's brilliant. I agree. Um, so, you know, but I, I think, you know, there's, there's been rumor that Juvenko is interested in coming back to the United States. Um, apparently Saudi Arabia isn't all it cracked up to be. Huh, who knew? Um, so, uh, you know, if they could bring him in and if he's the player that, you know, we remember him. I, you know, again, I'm not, I haven't really kept tabs on his career. I, I, I will fully admit I am a rube and do not know anything about the, uh, the, the Saudi Premier League. Um, is he in Saudi Arabia or Abu Dhabi? Anyway, wherever, wherever he is, I, I, I unfortunately know nothing about that league, so I can't really tell you how he's been doing. Um, but, you know, if they could get, you know, Juvenko in, then I think this team starts to hum a little bit, you know, in a way that it hasn't hummed previously. Um, but, you know, I, I'd love to see, you know, just because I, I 
I've always been a Sasha Kleshton stand. I'd love to see him get a, a chance. Um, you know, but I, I think you know they, they have to bring in an attacking midfielder. I personally would like to see a little bit more depth behind Jonathan Dos Santos after the last season, mm-hmm. because if those, if it, you know, it could have been just one bad injury-ridden season in a weird year that just kind of nothing really worked for anyone. But if that turns into two seasons of injury-ridden concerns, you know, again, I've always said, you know, Jonathan Dos Santos is central to what made the Galaxy tick over the past couple of years. They're going to need to have cover for that in case, you know, that turns into a trend. I hope it doesn't. You know, I'm, I'm very much knock on wood on that. Um, but I, I'd, I'd like to see cover for him as well. I think that would be uh, a, a good thing. And, and maybe they've, they've found it with, you know, Saldana or, or, or Harvey. Because um, I don't think Jonathan Perez really fills that role as, as well. Um, you know, that's kind of, those are, those are the two big questions in midfield that I'd like to have answered. I'd also like to bring in another striker, honestly. You know, I... I I really like Chicharito. What he's saying and everything he's saying is is the right things, and it's clear he's working hard, and it's clear he's he's invested. And he said, you know, I I have a debt to Galaxy fans, and I want to repay that. And that's a so you know he's saying all the right things. Um, but I just I you know after that it's Ethan Zubak, and then it's no one. And uh, I've long mm-hmm. been on the show, I have long been on the show about my opinion of Ethan Zubak and his abilities. Um, I'm sure he would fit in great at a USL club somewhere. Um, but yeah, I, I, they need one or two more strikers as well. So, so as you said, you know, there's not a lot of meat in the bone and we're hungry. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, I think these next, you know, couple of weeks, it's going to be busy. Um, and, uh, you know, it's going to be, they have to be, cause yeah, they, they can't, they can't, <laughs> this can't be it. Like, <laughs> yeah, but, but. The season starting late, I think, kind of helps the Galaxy um, that they have. Now they have time. And, and you know, obviously the, the CBA negotiation really did um, really did kind of, I think, put everyone in kind of a weird place of like, well, we, we, we'd like to sign you, but we just don't know what, what we're going to have, you know? And um, we don't know, like, what our salary cap is going to be. And we don't know what our, what our you know, contract terms are going to be you know, all this other stuff. So I, I get it. Um, but you know, they, 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 they will have to get moving at a pretty quick rate here, um, in order to, to get things going. Yes. Stay tuned. I can't wait to go over, um, what we see in the preseason and then of course come kickoff. So stay tuned. We got, we got lots ahead. It's only February 18th. Yeah, it's, it's the, the night is young, Galaxy fans. There is still time at the dance. Hang in there. Thank you so much, everybody. Stay well, stay safe, and we'll be back.